We want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today, joining us is Rashi Gupta Eri, who's the founder and principal of Uplevel Digital. Let's jump in and get to know Rashi. Welcome, Rashi. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me here, Eric and Carol. Absolutely. We're excited to talk with you. Tell us a little bit about what's going on at Uplevel Digital today, because you're pretty busy doing a lot of things. So first, tell us about Uplevel Digital. Yeah, I founded Uplevel four years ago and purely kind of like to bring all my experiences together and be able to kind of like help marketers and different parts of their ecosystem and their journeys to really kind of like do forward-looking, audience-specific, audience-centric, data-driven strategies. And the work that we do at Uplevel ranges from like pure play strategy consulting to really kind of like help clients develop that audience-centric strategies, data planning, data strategy work, and then also going further end-to-end media analytics. So starting from kind of like planning, the strategy, the execution, implementation, and analytics. And then finally, helping them operationalize their businesses better, whether it's have wanting them to in-house their certain parts of their work that they do today, or onboarding tech stack, or really kind of like helping define operational processes for their teams and also training. So it's really kind of like very nimble. The, the premise of Hub Level is transparency, nimbleness, pragmatism, and also commitment to the client's business. So that's the core tenants, and that's what we do. Excellent. I want to circle back a little bit later to some of your experience. You've worked at some of the most recognized agency brands in the country and in the world for some tremendous companies themselves and media brands. I want to circle back to that in a little bit. But, you know, Rashi, can you give us a little bit of a sense of like where you grew up and what early sort of life was like? Tell us about your family and your background, and where you grew up. Sure. I am born and raised in India and I've kind of like done my education in India and I moved here probably around 20 years ago. I am an immigrant. My family, my parents, my brother and myself, we moved to the United States, New York City, right in the middle of the action from India. And we've been kind of like there for so for a really long time. And then I further sort of studied in the States and in, uh, in FIT. I went to FIT for Went to app fashion, but I didn't do fashion. I ended up in advertising and marketing. And yeah. since then, I've been in the advertising marketing world. Amazing. Tell us about when you started your career path. You know, you started in fashion. How did you end up working in advertising to share with the audience? You, you've worked at Digitas. You've worked at Newstar, at Essence, at Volkswagen of America. Tell us about how you, you moved into all of those roles. Yeah, it's really sort of like, I didn't know much. I was kind of like new to the country, didn't sort of like have any support system. So I really kind of like wanted to just sort of take what I learned in school and try to make a career from it. And that's what I did at FIT was I studied advertising and marketing. And I just pursued that, not knowing any better about other things. And luckily, I stuck with it. I did kind of like pursue the digital side of things. I've been kind of like, digital native from my first job out of college to now. That's been kind of like my specialty from uh, advertising and marketing. And through the years, having been at these different companies, 
brand side, agency side, and and ad tech side, it's given me really kind of like a holistic perspective of doing B2C marketing, B2B marketing, all aspects of marketing, whether it's grant to acquisition to revenue driving programs to really building kind of like all the different channel strategies. So really kind of had given me a robust experience. And I feel like I've been fortunate to have been in all the different sides of the ecosystem, as we call it. So that's been sort of my journey so far. Yeah, I'm curious to know, is there one side of the marketing equation that you like more than others? I'm always, always interested to ask that question. I I knew that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what? I haven't picked one favorite side yet because I keep discovering newer sides. Like what I do today, I also am doing a lot of work in the regulatory side. You're doing work with the Federal Trade Commission as a senior advisor for platforms and ad tech. And you're also with the White House Presidential Innovation Fellows Group, right? So yeah. you're doing quite a bit with both, right? Yeah, definitely. So that's to Carol, to your question. I haven't picked a favorite side because I feel like there's so much more to explore in the world. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you that question once a year just to see if it, if it changes. But <laughs> I hope I pick my side sooner or later. <laughs> So as part of my White House Presidential Innovation Fellow Program, that is really kind of like a program. It's a federal job and it brings in subject matter experts in the government. And I coming in as a marketer into the government, really kind of like um, helping sort of different agencies, different sort of programs within the government scale as it relates to consumer outreach, consumer marketing, and just kind of helping them sort of do a better job at communicating the great services that government provides to the people uh, of the country. And then as part of that, I am also, my home agency is FTC, where given the digital background that I've had, they had a need to bring in a subject matter expert, a person, a practitioner from the ad land to come in and help them understand what advertising world looks like as a specifically to digital platforms, ad tech, both from a perspective of consumer privacy as well as competition. So I'm really kind of like helping kind of rolling up my sleeves and helping them educate themselves to what goes in and out, what is kind of like behind the scenes and what you see on the front end. Also kind of like helping them be smarter in their work, litigation or any sort of investigations in terms of kind of like, what should you ask? What you shouldn't ask? What should be your sort of like internal repository of data and things like that. And then thirdly, helping them develop more policies that are more forward-looking, that kind of like, we all know sort of a lot of times policies fall flat. So really kind of helping them up-level their, no pun intended, their work in terms of policy-making, rule-making, so that it's effective for consumers and also for businesses, and it has a longer shelf life. Awesome. Really, thank you for that that sort of explanation of all the different things that you're doing right now. I want to go back to Uplevel for a minute. So it's a company that you founded over five years ago. I'm curious to know, Rashi, is running your own company, being the CEO, has that always been a part of sort of your career aspirations? It's been always on my mind. When I was in kind of like full-time corporate jobs, there was kind of like this entrepreneurial bug inside me because that's my background, my family background is that. Like my parents have always been entrepreneurs back in India and also here. So I've seen them kind of like make 
something from nothing and succeed and kind of like obviously alongside it comes with a lot of sort of like trials and tribulations but I've sort of always been that in an early age I would kind of like go to their office and go to the factory and help them and I've been in those shoes I've seen them in their shoes uh, very closely so I always wanted to do that I never had the courage to be honest and coming to the U.S. and a new country. And I just kind of like was still kind of finding my footing and understanding kind of like how to adapt the culture here. But it's just happenstance came about where I had an opportunity, but like after I was laid off from a job and I was like, okay, well, I am kind of burnt out a little bit. I do want to sort of like go back and try to do what I like and how can I make those two things happen? And that's where the portal started. Awesome. Awesome. And what do you love about being a founder and a CEO? I think it's just the the challenge to find solutions. I think, and also it doesn't kind of like, I feel like there is no limitations in terms of kind of like how creatively I can think because I am not trying to follow somebody else's script or somebody else's process. It could be something that I can kind of like do based on where my strengths are and be creative and problem solving. There's not just one way to solve a problem, it's multiple. And that's kind of like I really enjoy. Rashi, I want to ask you about some of your time working at some really large organizations. I want to ask you about moments in your career where maybe you've handled issues of discrimination. Can you talk to us about what it's like as a sort of personal journey and working through some of those moments? Yeah, I think. Unfortunately, like a lot of other folks, I have experienced discrimination kind of like multiple ways, like being a woman, being a person of color, and especially being a mom. So I honestly, when those things happened, I didn't know what to do. Mm. I was kind of like, I felt the feeling of hurt, pain, kind of frustration, anger. At the end of the day, I was just kind of like accepted it and Mm. just swallowed the bitter pill and just kind of moved on, assuming that's just how it is. And I need to just kind of find my next thing and keep moving. So I didn't figure out how to solve it. And I feel like now in the past few years, there's so much more awareness of the discriminations that happen. So many things have come to light and people are much more vocal. I wish I was vocal. I wasn't that vocal Mm -hmm. um, back then, just because I felt like there was no avenues and I didn't know where to go or look at those solutions. But I do feel like there's a lot of societal change happening with all different forms of discrimination. There's a lot more inclusivity that has started to kind of like, at least people acknowledge it and are more aware of it. So I do feel like we're in in an upward trajectory and in a hopeful change. I want to ask you about one area in particular that you mentioned. Can you talk to us a little bit about some forms of discrimination that mothers sometimes face? Can Mm -hmm. you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, a few things that I faced was when you are a new mother or when you are, have, are a mother which might have a family that needs your support and care more often. And I was in both cases where I had health issues with one of my sons and he was really young. So it was kind of like not able to juggle that life situation with work needs and kind of like feeling always guilty to kind of like be able to step away or take some time off or or having a flexible schedule was a challenge back then. And there was not a lot of understanding. And you did kind of like not 
on your on the nobody would say it to you on your face, but there was always this this notion of like you are being penalized for not being there till like nine o'clock every night and things like that. So yeah. those are I feel like some of the challenges a mothers face in regards to career growth, in regards to the perception that people might have about them that they are not that serious or they're not that committed. So those are some of the challenges that I face. As an immigrant family, did you feel there were any lessons passed on from your family to you on on how to handle situations like that? I think the lesson is I've seen my dad and my my mom kind of like go through a lot in life. And it's all about hard work and perseverance. I think Mm -hmm. that's the two lessons that I've seen back in India and also kind of like now that my family is very well settled here, sort of how they've kind of gone through their journey. It's literally, you just keep moving. Don't let the failures kind of stop you. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's great. Thank you very much for sharing your experiences with us. I want to ask you about work-life balance as a mother and as a spouse. Is there such thing or how do you sort of navigate that? What's that like for you? Yeah, I have this major kind of issue with this phrase work-life balance because that phrase itself is like work and life which is not true. Work is a part of life, just like other things in your life, like your kids, your home, your family, your health, your mental health, your friends, community. So work is one part of it. It it shouldn't be kind of like 50% of your time goes to work and 50% of your time goes to life, which has 10 other important components of you. So Mm -hmm. I always think about it as life balance as opposed to work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of try to prioritize that there are days when I am much more um, leaned in towards my kids. And so I might have to step away from work or I might, and there are some days where I'm working till 10 o'clock and that's okay, where my husband might be taking care of the kids. So I think the balance is created over time and there are different times in your life when one thing will be a priority over the other thing. But I think it's the net net of a long period of time. Sometimes I do feel like it's hard to create the perfect balance on an everyday basis just because different things have priorities at different times. So to me, it's the entirety of life and it's not just kind of like work and then seven other things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we all have one life and especially these days, right over the last 18 months when everyone's been home and your work life has crossed over into your home life because everyone's just home. Like you have one life and I agree with you. It it, it all depends on how you choose to spend the 24 hours in a day. And, And you're right. I mean, some days you have to focus more on the family. Some days you have to focus more on the job and Eric and I talk about that all the time as fathers as well, too. So couldn't agree with you more. Rashi, I want to take it back to the industry for a second, to digital mm-hmm. media. And you, obviously, throughout your career, we touched on it earlier, you have a, a lot of great firsthand experience in a number of different areas within digital media. I'm curious to hear from you, what excites you most about the future of digital media? Yeah, I think the exciting part, and it's been close to 18 years that I've been in this space. And I feel like every year is a year of something new. <laughs> As we all know, like you're a mobile, you're a connected TV. Like there's yeah. always some kind of like buzz word out there. But 
the short of it is the constant evolution and innovation I think that the industry goes through. We're always kind of like trying to make something of a new opportunity or a new challenge. I think that's really exciting. There's never kind of like a dull moment or you always kind of like feel like there is something that you want to learn more about. You're never kind of like, I don't think I've hit a point where I've kind of like felt like, okay, there's nothing more to do. I'm bored. I need to kind of like switch paths or it's always kind of like, okay, I, I know this, but this is a new thing. I don't know anything about it. So I really kind of like, my curiosity is peaked and I want to learn more. So it's kind of like the constant evolution and innovation. And then also, I feel like this is something that I've been realizing more and more, given kind of like my work in the federal space right now, is the power and the ability that our industry has to make a large-scale impact. We have a really big kind of like we're mass-reaching. The messages that we put out there are mass-reaching. The messages that we put out there have a deeper impact. The ability to storytell in a digital space, the ability to connect with people, and ability to kind of like capture and influence action. I think there is a big component of large-scale impact. And if, if we can make the impact for good, I think that gives our industry a lot more power. Yeah, no, that's great, Rush. Yeah, I think it's interesting. A lot of times with our guests, we talk about some of the way they, they work with others. And you're an advisor, you have a consultancy, you're an operator, but you're also a mentor as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the work you're doing, how you sort of mentor others or just work with other people? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I've kind of mentored sort of in two fronts. One is individual mentoring, sort of like younger folks who are wanting to proceed in their career or wanting to get their next job or have a promotion or whatever it might be, sort of career growth. And then other is mentoring other companies in the startup space to have them uh, ability to grow and sort of like really focus on how how can they leverage digital to its most extent of all forms of digital earned owned uh, paid. So I've kind of like done on both sides and my kind of like way of mentoring is twofold. One is education focused. So mentoring by educating, I think that's been kind of like one of my focuses and that applies really nicely with individuals. I focus on teaching and modeling and it could be something that I can share with them from my experience or I'm able to connect with somebody who can sort of talk to them about sort of like exactly what they're feeling or experiencing. So it's really showing them how it happens in real world. And then secondly is mentoring by ideating. I really enjoy the listening part of mentoring, how like just absorbing uh, what people have to say, context, where they're coming from, and sort of like having an empathetic approach towards them because whether their actions were right or wrong, they always were done with a good intention. And uh, so really having that sort of mindset and then offering more objective guidance and, and counseling. So this is kind of like where I would go or these are different options that you could take. It's never, there are always multiple pathways. So helping them see that and helping them weigh out the pros and cons based on their personal priorities. That's been my two ways to mentor as it comes to people and companies. Excellent. If you could think back over your career, I think you said 18 years, if I heard yeah. you correctly. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give Rashi 18 years ago? Don't be scared. I think early on, I would probably be very hesitant and I was very much cautious, sort of trying out different things or new things or approaching people 
always felt sort of like a little bit sort of um, nervous or scared or just not pushing the boundaries, my personal boundaries. I think that's what I would say to myself is venture out and there's always a way back. You can always pivot. You can always go back to where you are today. So you have to experience new things to, to give yourself an opportunity to grow. Awesome. Thank you for that. Great advice. All right. Fun question that I love to ask every guest that we have on the podcast, which is to name the top three apps on your phone, but you can't name email, calendar, or text messaging. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) Can I look at my phone? You absolutely can. (laughs) I would say Instagram. Oh, it's hard work. Well, that's all right. We, we know they're on your phone, so you're telling the truth. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I used to have Angry Birds. I still have it. I don't use it anymore. Uh, but, it's, but it's still there. <laughs> yeah. Still there. And Amazon. I just, I'm all, all online right. shopping. <laughs> there we go. Real deal. Amazon, Angry Birds. And Instagram. And Instagram. There yeah. we go. I love it. <laughs> well, Rashi, a lot of our listeners love to stay in touch and reach out. What are some ways that our audience can stay in touch with you and, and stay connected? LinkedIn is great. I can share my email and reach out to me either of those two ways. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us. And Thanks for listening to another episode of Minority Report Podcast. You can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video, just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thanks, Rashi. 